0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to the sixth episode of season eight of the Tom Petty Project Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Um some quick social media stuff before we dig in, as usual. Um and the, it's the poll results. It's only the poll results this week. Um I actually forgot to post the poll on Friday, so it only end up on Sunday, but Right now, the results are overwhelmingly positive. On Twitter, uh, 6.7% of you incorrectly graded running down a dream between 1 and 6. 16.7% gave it a 7 to 9 rating, and 76.7% rated this a 10 out of 10. So, you know, I'm in full agreement with that. Over on Facebook, it was all 10s at least, with a couple of 11s, a 12, and a 15. Today's episode covers the opening track from side two of Full Moon Fever and the first of only four cover versions that would make their way onto one of Tom's studio albums. If you're new to the podcast, I don't play any of the music in the, in the episode itself um, out of respect for the estate and to avoid copyright issues. If you're not familiar with this one, there's a link to it in the episode notes so that you can give it a listen before we dig into Feel a Whole Lot Better. The first thing to comment on is that on Full Moon Fever, the song is called Feel A Whole Lot Better, but on the Birds' seminal debut record, Mr. Tambourine Man, the original is named I'll Feel A Whole Lot Better. Now, who knows why Tom decided to change that? But weirdly, it looks strange with the contraction It's Before It to me, because I just know it so well from Full Moon Fever, so the song is Feel A Whole Lot Better to me. It just, I don't know. The Birds' 1965 record went to number six in the US and number seven in the UK, right around the time the Beatles were... Moving away from Help, which had been uh, released early in 1965, and toward Rubber Soul, which was released in I think December of '65, and then eventually, obviously, Revolver, when they would change directions completely. But the Birds were a very distinctive American band with a very distinctly American sound, which would be inexorably linked with the Summer of Love and the hippie movement. I've always found the Birds an interesting band, with you know, Gene Clark, Roger McGuinn, who was originally known by his first name, Jim or James. Uh, and David Crosby, all learning their crafts as writers. But they still pack their albums with lots of covers. So it almost seems fitting that this is the band that Tom chose to honour with the cover version for Full Moon Fever. Every hardcore Tom Petty fan knows that when Tom took the record to the execs MCA, Full Moon Fever that is, they didn't like it at all. When Paul Zolo asks Tom why in conversations with Tom Petty, Tom replies they didn't hear a single. One of the other issues with the record is that it was only nine tracks when uh, Tom submitted it. So, while Jeff Lynn, who co produced the record, of course, was out of town, Tom and Mike Campbell recorded The Lullaby, alright for now, but they still needed more tracks, as the late 80s was the era of the CD, and you could make much longer albums for the new format, which, of course, was appealing to the suits who have no idea about creativity. Tom tells Paul Zolo, They wanted it to be a little longer. Then I cut the Birds song, Feel a Whole Lot Better, just to make the record a little longer. Paul remarks that this song was written by Gene Clark, and Tom replies, Yeah, to which he was eternally grateful. More on that later. Um, Then later on, I brought the record back and the regime had changed at MCA. I brought exactly the same record in and they loved it. And Tom concludes by saying, this is what you're up against in the music business. A guy can leave or come and his viewpoint is completely different than the guy that was there. You're just at the mercy of these guys to some degree. Thankfully, the record did come and someone did realize that this was absolutely gigantic album um, and Feel A Whole Lot Better was chosen to be the side two opener. However, before side two kicks off on the CD version, Tom inserted a now legendary little piece of levity in the pre-gap before track six, and here it is. Hello CD listeners, we've come to the point in this album where those listening on cassette or records will have to stand up or sit down and turn over the record or tape. In fairness to those listeners, we'll now take a few seconds before we begin side two. Thank you. Here's side two. Rather comically, and for probably no other reason than he was around and willing to do it, Del Shannon, who we talked about last week on Running Down a Dream, provides what is listed on the record as barnyard noises for this little interstitial track. All good fun, and another indication of how loose and creative Tom was feeling during the writing and recording of this album. This might end up being a shorter episode than some this season, purely because this is a cover, and it's a really straight cover. Where the Heartbreakers would take Beck's song Asshole and Lucinda Williams' Change the Locks and really apply the Heartbreakers' sound to them, this track really is a pure homage to a band that Tom, Jeff, and Mike all admired. It's also a very short song. The opening guitar lick in this one has always reminded me a little bit of the Drifter song When My Little Girl Is Smiling. It's got that same uh, melody and cadence to it, and that's another song that I absolutely love. If you were curious about where the sound in Listen To Her Heart has its roots, you'd recognize it instantly in this song. No question at all that there's a whole lot of a 12-string guitar slathered all over this one. Jeff Lynne's production is streets ahead of the 1965 original, of course, with the bass especially being really clean and present in the mix and the drums sounding much, much better. The song opens with that big jangling guitar riff for four bars before Tom comes in doing his very best Gene Clark impersonation. And so, you, know, you can forgive this because some songs are so completely entrenched in your brain that it can be hard to change the vocal melody because you know the original so well, and I'd be willing to bet that that was the case with this song. Tom would have been 14 when this song was released, and 37 or 38 when he recorded it. So that's two decades of hearing a song sung a very specific way. The drums are subtly different to the original, in that you don't get the same rat-a-tat, like it's an eight-note eight tat snare intro. You do still get a snare intro, but it's, it's a little bit sort of syncopated uh, toward the end. And you also get a tambourine hit along with the snare as well. Um, there's also, in the first... I don't know, like two, three bars, it sounds like there's a wood block or some kind of other percussion being played on that snare as well. And it, but it only, it's only in those first couple three bars and then it goes away. So I, I don't know if it's an artifact or if it's something weird. But anyway, there you go. One of the five songs on Full Moon Fever that are under three minutes in length, this one clips along at a pretty fast pace. After 35 seconds, we've already had an intro, a verse, and a chorus. Tom's vocal in this first verse and the subsequent ones um, sound like they're doubled to me. So I double tracked. And I think I've talked about this before, but double tracking a lead vocal isn't the same as adding harmonies. It means that Tom would have sung the lead vocal twice, you know, as close as he could to one another as possible to make that lead vocal sound just that little bit thicker. We do also then get harmony vocals in the chorus, and I think they're three-part harmonies to my ear, with Tom and Jeff Lynn combining to replicate the birds' fabulous multi-part harmony style. After this first chorus, we then get those beautiful chiming guitars in both channels, played by Tom and Mike. The second verse introduces those call and response harmony vocals in addition to the lead that Tom's singing, but it's basically the same thing as the first verse. The second chorus, though, does add in a little change that I love. This song's in A, and it sticks to the first, fourth, fifth, sixth sort of chord structure. That's the very typical rock and roll structure, and this sticks straight up to this point. It's all very straightforward and very simple. And the change here isn't a big one, but it does move the song along nicely. The first chorus is four straight bars, and it lands back down on that, um, so it goes D-E-A, lands back down on that uh, on that root chord. The second chorus, though, adds in a G, which is the major seventh in this key. And that G comes in on the fourth bar instead of the root, and then we have two extra bars of that root A chord, along with the opening guitar riff, before we head into the instrumental break. And I wasn't too sure whether to call this section a guitar solo or go with instrumental break, and I was writing this, but it really isn't a solo to me. This section is chock full of guitars, though, with the main riff sitting underneath what sounds like two guitars playing complementary parts over the top. Uh, It's densely packed, but Jeff Lynne's genius allows him to have all this guitar going on without saturating any part of the frequency spectrum or have anything clash with one another. The guitars are even more bright here, and I'm guessing that there's possibly even a mandolin in there. I think that's what's given us those really sort of bright, charming notes in the left channel. Anyway, you cut it, this section is a glorious nod uh, to the 60s. It's a 40-second, 20-bar break that you can most definitely dance to. There's a great live performance of this song by the Birds back in the 60s on a TV show, where they're singing live for some reason to a backing track, and are surrounded by dancers, including two young ladies performing up on 15, 20-foot podiums. Or podia, if you prefer, they're both, you know, podiums or podia, let's not get Grammar Nazi about this. And it's easy to forget that, since the proliferation of electronic music in the last few decades, that people in clubs actually used to dance to songs with real drums and real guitars, and, crucially, singers who didn't need also tune. What a world, folks. What a world. Okay, people, it's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this. In this song, US 41, from 2010's Mojo, what was the name of Lucky's wife? Was it A, Sandra D, B, Georgie May, C, Bernadette, or D, Annie Brown? The answer, of course, is D, Annie Brown. And I can't wait to get to Mojo in US 41. It's one of those strange little tracks that seems slightly incongruous in Tom's catalogue at first glance, but. It's also a really fun, short little number that introduces the name Pulpwood to many people. Pulpwood, of course, being the nickname of Tom's grandfather. Your question for this week, uh, it, I found while researching this song, and it's a gooder, folks, I'll be massively impressed if anyone actually knows this without hearing the options. So if you did know this one, please let me know so that I can congratulate you. Here it is. Terry Melcher, born Terence Jordan, was the producer who worked on The Byrd's 1965 album Mr. Tambourine Man, which Feel a Whole Lot Better first appears on. But which huge star of the silver screen was he the only son of? Was it A, Doris Day, B, Lauren Bacall, C, Grace Kelly, or D, Audrey Hepburn? okay back to the song Uh, to close out this one we get one more verse chorus and then a repeat of when you're gone over that root a major seventh alternating chord progression and to end we get a partial reprise of the descending lick from the instrumental break there's no fade out here just the splash of a cymbal and the decay of the guitar notes very satisfying the heartbreakers played this song 47 times live according to setlist fm at least uh, primarily in 1989 on the supporting album tour and again in 2002 for the last DJ tour, where it was usually played between You Don't Know How It Feels and Like A Diamond. Toward the end of the tour, however, it would be paired with another cover version, most usually I Need You by The Beatles, or Handle With Care by, and we'll call it in quotes, Tom's Other Band. Lyrically, this one is a pretty unambiguous tale of war. The singer has been wronged by his partner and is looking forward to not being with them anymore, at which point he'll probably feel a whole lot better. I like that probably in there, though. It exposes a slight doubt and a vulnerability in the protagonist, which makes it, you know, less combative or or confrontational than it could be. And the songs are super simple, A, B, A, B, C, A, B, so verse-chorus, verse-chorus, bridge-verse-chorus, structure, with a super short one-line chorus. Again, very, very 60s pop structure. Feel A Whole Lot Better is a really catchy, straight-down-the-middle pop song. This cover version of it is faithful almost to the note most of the way through. Uh, We do get some slight variation in the percussion, but the guitars, bass, and vocals are matched as closely to the original as you could realistically do it. So that begs the question why do it? Most of the time, I much prefer an artist to take a song and make it their own. But as we heard from Tom, this was essentially a track recorded to pad out the length of the album. And we know that All Right for Now was another of those tracks, but that one has so much charm to it. And again, it's so different to the majority of the catalogue that it's good that the record company, de- <laughs> almost good that the record company deemed the album not long enough, because, you know, maybe that would have been one that. You know, might have been discarded or reduced to a b-side or something and tom doesn't reveal what the third additional song was and i'll have to do some digging to discover whether i can find out what that might have been maybe tom and jeff felt that recording this song completely faithfully to the original would expose a new generation of music listeners to a band that had maybe gone out of fashion and were locked into that sort of 60s hippie movement rather than being a going concern the birds never really made it out of the 60s despite you know grand parsons attempting to move them into more country stylings to try to revive their flagging popularity But there's no doubt that they influenced a huge number of rock and roll bands and artists, and if for no other reason than they influenced Tom to write Listen to Her Heart, we should be very thankful that their fire burned brightly for the few years that it did, and that the members of the band went on individually to have long and successful careers, for the most part. Now unfortunately, one of the side effects of Tom bringing this song back into the public's consciousness was a financial windfall for its writer, Gene Clark, who had managed to beat addiction and get himself clean. In Mr. Tambourine Man, The Life and Legacy of the Birds, Gene Clark, author John Inneson says the following, flush with money, he began to neglect his professional obligations. Although the circumstances remain nebulous, the binge also precipitated his final breakup with Terry Messina, who had had a two-decade on-again, off-again relationship with Clark. Uh, Gene Clark sadly died in May of 1991, and alcohol abuse and and addiction were definitely contributing factors to, um, to his bad health and to his eventual ill death. So, a slight down note to end here, folks, but, you know, it's a, it's a part of the rock and roll story, so we, we really should talk about it. Okay, Pettyheads, that's it for this week. I feel a whole lot better. It's a really good cover. It's a really nice, bright little pop song, there's nothing at all wrong with it, and I'm not going to give this one a low rating. However, what I would say is that I'm not convinced that Tom needed to put a cover on this album. Had the record company not pressured him to fill it out, I doubt this one would have even been considered. Maybe it would have ended up being on um, uh, Grady Six, maybe it would have been on there instead of Thunderclap Newman, who knows, but I don't know that Full Moon Fever needs feel a whole lot better. There were also two songs from Sessions in 1988 that could have been candidates, depending on when they were recorded, but... My understanding is that they were both part of sessions intended to be used on the new Heartbreakers record that was, that project was abandoned. Now, I would have been perfectly happy with this being a B-side or a non-album single, or like I said, maybe going on to the greatest hits. But I find that it stands out a little on a Tom Petty solo record as being that, oh, please, can you record another couple of songs to make the album longer? track. I do like the song, though, both the original and Tom's cover, so I'm going to give Feel a whole lot better a 7 out of 10. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out on Twitter, at Deep Dive Podnet. I'm sure you'll find something there that you like. Also, uh, go check out my, uh, my other podcast, Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast. And, as I'm recording this today, the first episode proper of Ultimate Catalogue Clash, which is covering side one of Genesis's uh, 1976 can't remember the year now, album, uh, A Trick of the Tale. So go check that out. I'm doing that with my friend, Corey Morissette. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it's me talking about music. So if you like me talking about music here, maybe you like me talking about music there. Um, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. Go follow, like, subscribe, applicable, blah, 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 blah. Uh, please leave a review or a rating if you haven't already. I'm doing quite well in the charts lately. I've been doing quite well in, in India, which is odd to me, but there you go, I don't know. The Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty estate in any way. Look, if you're looking for music, if you're going to stream Tom's music, please use Spotify, Apple Music, you know, YouTube Music, Amazon Prime, all those kinds of places where at least a fraction of the revenue does go back to the artist. Um, if you're looking for official merchandise, please go to TomPetty.com. If you're looking for podcast merchandise, please go to TomPettyProject.com. Um, don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook. If you're not already a member of those groups, they are excellent fan communities and they're worth spending a little bit of time in. Also, I hang out in there sometimes if you, you know, come talk to me. Um, So until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the second track from Side to a Full Moon Fever. Very much a fan favorite. You're so bad. Bye-bye.